Welcome back to 40 Minute Mentor, the podcast brought to you by JVM, a search brand that places executives and future leaders into high growth startups and scale-ups. Last week, we launched our new VC feature series in which we bust some common myths about the industry, hear what the best VCs in Europe are currently looking to invest in, and share some candid advice for anyone looking to break into the industry. Today, I'm joined by the brilliant Antoine Nussenbaum, the co-founder of Felix Capital. Felix are a VC firm for the creative class, operating at the intersection of technology and creativity. They focus on digital lifestyle, investing in brands like All Plants, Dot, Deliveroo, Farfetch, Papier, to name but a few, and also related enabling technologies. In today's episode, Antoine and I discuss how Felix Capital came to exist, the common traits he sees amongst successful entrepreneurs they invested, how he's building Felix like a football team, and his candid advice for founders looking for investment and anyone looking to get into VC. There's so much brilliant advice in this episode, so get your notebooks ready, sit back, relax, and enjoy the upcoming 40 minutes with Antoine Nussemar. Antoine, welcome to 40 Minute Mentor. It's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you, James. Thanks for having me today. It's a real pleasure. I'm a big, big fan of yours and, and, and Felix, so I can't wait to get into it. But before we start, we always like to get our listeners to know a bit more about you. So we always start with some quick fire questions. So please finish the following sentences after me. My first job was selling bed linens and towels at Guerrier Lafayette uh, in France. Oh, wow. Nice. That's Again, that's a first for the podcast. I can't say I ever sold linen. I did make beds once as part of a summer job, which was uh, hundreds of beds, which I think ever since then I've hated uh, making my bed. (laughs) My first ever investment was? My first ever investment was in a company called Pave uh, in New York, which was a platform investing in people. You were trying to support entrepreneurship and creativity by investing, giving some money ahead to people. So they, they... they can pay back the mortgage from university or college and whatsoever and, and fulfill the entrepreneurship dream. And you were getting a little little percentage of the future income in return. But the purpose of it was really to invest in people. Love that. Very apt, given what we do. Love anything people-centric. The deal I am most proud of is... We never discriminate portfolio companies at Felix, but I would say the deal uh, I'm the most proud of is investing in Felix, investing in our platform. Maybe in an irrational way, but at the core of all my my money has been going into this uh, this journey, and I'm very proud of it. On the personal side, it's closing my wife, Gabby. Yeah. <laughs> very, very good answer. <laughs> I love that. Brilliant. I wish I'd have invested in. So when we just started Felix in 15, one of the first startup demo day I've done was a seed camp. It was uh, Nikolai from Revolut presenting uh, there. He was just coming out of seed camp. And I was actually sitting next to Rob Muffat from Balderton, who, who ended up leading this round, which was a very small round, a million pound round. And uh, I remember Nikolai saying, if you want to chip in 300k, you guys can. And at the time, it was you know very far-fetched for us because we were launching Felix and the association with fintech wasn't obvious, and also it was coming very quickly just about after the song was just launched. So we, we passed on the opportunity. And so I would say we kind of joke about it quite often. <laughs> <laughs> I think every VC has one of those, don't they? Oh, the, the one that got away. 
Uh, thanks for sharing. That's really interesting. The hardest part of being a VC is? I would say it's similar to the best part somehow is, is, is dealing with Greg. I think the core of being a, a VC is, uh, is, is about people like you, James. And, and, you know, things are not black and white. It's not, it's not about science or building a product. It works, it doesn't work. It's not zero or one. It, it's dealing with gray. And somehow that's maybe why you can have an impact in some of this journey. It's because you can uh, help founders to uh, build awareness around how to deal with gray also and some key decisions they have to face. So true. Yeah, I regularly say to anyone that asks me, it's by far and away the best part of the job is the people I meet and work with. And it's the worst part because people change their minds, people turn down jobs, things happen, and it can also be the cause of the most stress. So I, I completely relate to that. Finally, can you share something that we couldn't learn from your CV that could be a failure or a setback that you've learned a lot from? I think I would say uh, fairly early in my career at the Dubai to be an entrepreneur. And it was a short stint because we took the shortcut there. So, I mean, we started building a brand in software. We were building software for kindergarten management. Uh, so kindergarten management solutions. And fairly quickly in our journey, our first client approached us to buy us. But in reality, we were a bit under pressure because without getting into too much detail, he felt he, he, felt he had had a big implication in developing the, the code, uh, so the product. And so as a result, was either we were giving in the software or, or we would have to fight a kind of legal battle. And I think at the time we, we took the easy path because we were young and, and, and naive somehow. And uh, sometimes we wonder what would have happened if we would have uh, tried to fight uh, this cause a bit longer. But it brought, it brought me to Felix, so I, I can't complain. Well, that's it. I think every cloud has a silver lining. That's really interesting. I think we often find that you know, the most successful leaders, we have some sort of failure along the way or something that is unfulfilled. And uh, I guess with Felix, you've gone to the next level of backing founders and being a founder yourself. So uh, yeah, I think it's, it's worked out for the best, I think. Well, it's kind of the perfect segue actually talking a bit about your entrepreneurial career because I'd love to start there. And I'm sure our listeners would be interested in hearing a bit of a, a, an overview of your CV, kind of how you ended up getting into VC in the first place and what ultimately led you to starting up Felix Capital? So I, I started, you know, uh, so I'm from Paris. I think everyone would have noticed uh, the accent by now, <laughs> French strong accent. But yeah, so I, I, I originally started my career valuing brands, valuing brands and patterns. So uh, what we call intangible assets. But what, what was very helpful for me is getting this awareness around the power of brand very early in my journey. And so we were evaluating brands in the context of uh, brands being acquired, dormant brands being acquired, but also litigation situations. So, for example, LVMH suing eBay because eBay is selling fake Louis Vuitton bags on their platform. What is the impact on the brand? What is the damage on the brand? So I was doing this kind of job, consulting job, which is in between marketing and finance somehow, but uh, very focused around what the brand, what is the value of a brand or a patent. I left this to become an entrepreneur in what I just mentioned before. So, uh, you know, building this software for for, for kindergarten management. And uh, that was uh, with the outcome we just discussed. So we ended up selling these businesses two years later in 2006. And, and this is when I moved to London. So it's been now 16 years that I've been a, a Londoner. My first year in London were in advisory, focusing on consumer retail and industrials stayed there four years and then I moved to the investment side. So it's been 12 years has been a, I, I've been an investor. In the meantime, supporting my wife in entrepreneurship journey, my brother my, and other relatives. 
and bumped to Frederick in 2013, who, uh, you know, had already built an amazing journey as a, a as an investor. Uh, he had already backed companies like Farfetch uh, and been the first investor in Farfetch and, and previously also been a, an entrepreneur. And we spoke for a year or so. And after we uh, ended up working on FedEx formally in 2014 and investing from January 15, we'll be soon at eight years already. Amazing. Congratulations. What a ride as well. And I'm sure lots of people listening will know about Felix, but do you mind telling our listeners a bit about what makes Felix such a unique VC firm? What are the biggest USPs that any founders listening that might be looking to raise? Why should they pick you? And, and why did you also pick the, the digital lifestyle niche? The beauty of being able to start a firm is that you can shape it the way you are passionate about and what are, with what you're passionate about on the day to day. And um, I think we, we are obsessed by, any, by the end users, by people, by consumers. And we are obsessed also by just witnessing the shift in behaviors and, and cultural shifts that are happening at, at a much faster pace than before. Uh, and our belief is that that's thanks to the evolution of the digital space. So we build FedEx to be a fund for the creative class uh, that invests at the intersection of creativity and, and technology. And what it means is that we're big believers in the power of brand in the power of design, the power of data. But if you think about the power of brand, it's somewhat, this is somehow a very contrived perspective in our industry. Most of our colleagues, rightly or wrongly, don't put much emphasis on this, think there's limited barrier to entry when they think about brand building, and much more focus on the technology side of things. So one of our biggest USP is both originally more in, in consumer-facing proposition, in branded proposition, but today the software industry is seeing the, exactly the same stigma around building tools that are building brands, very focused on the community of end users with the same type of reflex you see in consumer businesses. But what we can be is this partner that understands brand building, that understands end user, that understands community, that understands how to reach to consumers. And with a wider thinking in terms of we can apply this to many lifestyle radicals from the way you behave with your aspiration for a better life. But it can be from a nutrition perspective up to how you interact with finance, your financial wellness. All the filter around the power of brand design or data can apply on, on any of these verticals. And the same goes for software. And I think that what we try to be very well perceived for uh, in the market and, and it's kind of, you know, true uh, approach brand building and and communities you and you absolutely are and i think it's a it's a real unique selling point consumer brands and particularly e-commerce i guess have seen huge change in recent years and there's definitely challenges in the current economic climate lots of talk at the moment of the cost of living crisis uh, an imminent recession so it's an interesting time but Despite all of that, you've just raised a new fund to further double down in B2C startups and the digital lifestyle. So what are your thoughts on the near-term future for B2C companies? And also, what are the big opportunities for consumer brands? We somehow, uh, on our side, um, quite excited, actually. You know, we are consistently there in this market. Uh, you know, when the consumer topic is somehow kind of sensitive topic in the investor industry, you have people that come and go, depending on the where we are in the cycle, for us, we, we just have a thinking. It's a bit when people say it's in market downturn that you've seen the best successes built, think about 2009, Airbnb, and so on. This works the same for consumer proposition. I think it's in market downturn that you 
see the best of entrepreneurship where you go back to uh, being when creativity is at its best when it comes to building new businesses because simply you can't rely as easily on capital on external capital so that's one thing on, on and after there's a pure macro element is when you're in market downturn you have to change your habits you have to change a new normal and, and that creates new proposition new opportunities so the fact we have time well our, our fundraising and we're now in a position to deploy capital actually makes this kind of uh, the, the, the short, medium and long term very exciting for us. And the reality is also is that we have more quality time to build relationship, genuine relationship with entrepreneurs. So obviously, there's a lot to do in understanding the, the consumer patterns post-COVID, aside from the downturn, frankly, you know, there's been this kind of unique cycle, this unique tailwind around e-commerce, which is now... <laughs> With the side effect that now that things are much more flat and the recession is not going to help here, but we are long-term investors. So, and our, be, our, our big belief is that there will be always new agents of change, very creative minds building new propositions. It's going to be even more relevant to consumers of today and tomorrow. So, our, our mission is to be there to understand this shift in trends, to understand these new proposition, and be there to to, to partner with these people. It's wonderful to hear such a positive response to that question. There's a lot of naysayers, a lot of negativity, but I must say that I think some of the best investors that I know and the best people are are, are remaining sort of sensible and cautious, but at the same time still positive. And I think that's that's really reassuring for any founders that are listening to this. So thank you. I think there are going to be people out there right now that are maybe just not sure about what's coming because they haven't lived through an economic downturn before. You've been investing for a long time and, and have had to advise founders before on, on how to kind of survive and hopefully thrive, whether it's to become the next Airbnb. So what advice do you have for any founders listening that are in that situation right now? There are some, you know, pragmatic advice is you which you would hear all across the board is you know you have to manage your, your one ray accordingly you know that comes first uh, you need to make sure you, more than ever that you have a clear alignment with your closest source of capital which have most more probably the, the investors you have in your cap table that you have on board so more than ever this is a time to have a, a clear dialogue to align them around the table and to make sure that they are supportive in, in the plan you have in mind having said that i think I see a lot of entrepreneurs trying to be too tactical almost and sometimes forgetting what matters the most, which is building a great business, building a product that your end user will love. And right now you can compromise maybe on the truth is that you can compromise on growth, on acquiring growth, on spending on acquiring growth and focus more on building a real business, you know, a great business. And that comes with, you know, having retention, if it's a SaaS product or consumer product, having repeat, having just clear sign of customer love and making sure your proposition stands apart in your category. I think it's also a, an opportunity actually to, in current downturn, to reshape the culture you have internally. A lot of these companies have been um, going through a unique stage of growth where the access uh, to capital was very cheap or easy. And things are changing. And, and, you know, naturally, when this happens, the culture can be impacted in some of companies where just everything is easy. And when everything is easy, you fight sometimes less. Uh, so the fighting spirit, the kind of commando spirit kind of erodes a bit. And, and, I've, and, you know, the venture industry is a very specific industry where it's uh, with a stigma of go big or go home. And people tend to feel it. There's almost no middle ground. And I think 
if you want to go big today in the market downturn, more than ever, you need to have a team that is ready to go at war, to, is ready to fight. And the downturn can be a, a way for you to reestablish leadership and to be able to reshape the culture into the need so you have a proper fighters uh, aligned with uh, the mission and uh, the next step for the business. Absolutely fantastic advice, Antoine. And I, I think that's so true. And a common theme on this podcast has been trying to understand who is actually really ready for the reality of startup life. We all know that there's you know, a lot of hype around the tech ecosystem and lots of people want to be involved, but I think sometimes they're not actually the right people for it. And same with entrepreneurship and founders. And I think these sorts of difficult times really separate the good from the great and who's got the resilience to really handle the harder times. And often the best companies come out the back of that. Felix has funded some of the most popular consumer scale-ups in recent years, Deliveroo, Farfetch, All Plants, Papier. Can you share what particularly stood out about these entrepreneurs and founders and, and also firms that convinced you to invest? We were convinced with any of these entrepreneurs that a real shot is at redefining a category, but they were really true and authentic about the, the mission that they were going after. And also that we felt they had Sometimes it's the craziness of being ready to go for something really big and global that will have a, a real impact in the, in the category they're going after. This is really the, the common trait uh, we're seeing in these entrepreneurs is you know, that they are sacrificing a lot of, of their life uh, into uh, this journey, but they want to do it for something that really matters. So this takes time to identify as an investor and entrepreneurs are becoming better and better at pitching. So that's why we try to get to know them before, understand them better inside out from a personal perspective, from a business perspective, to have a real view on who they are and, uh, and the capacity to go after this opportunity, uh, the opportunity we're going after. But the common trait is really this kind of level of ambition, this genuineness uh, in the mission. And uh, yeah, we hopefully will be right in most of these, uh, most of these plays. Yeah, fantastic companies that uh, I know our listeners know well and love. So uh, yeah, great to hear what what really sets them apart. I know you don't have favorites and I understand that, but are there any particular companies in the portfolio that you're particularly excited about at the moment or any other things like that that you'd uh, want to share with our listeners, perhaps smaller firms that maybe others haven't heard of? As you pointed out, I think every time I mention a specific uh, portfolio company, I have to receive WhatsApp from my other founders saying, how come you spoke about X, Y, Z? So um, I would rather keep them happy and focused right now. But I think it's more how we're prioritizing some themes right now internally. So it's not specifically companies, but we, you know, we, we're spending a lot of time around sustainability uh, and not just as a theme to invest in, but also in a way to redefine our firm. We're becoming a, a big corp company. We're building something called Felix for Good, which is going to be a platform to uh, invest in, in in positive cause. And then seeing how sustainability is becoming uh, top of mind, again, both for people and companies, rightly so, brings a lot of topics where Felix, we believe we can be relevant. But there would be a lot of brand being built to be a new authority in, in this category, being on the enterprise side with everything around carbon management to uh, on the personal side in terms of how to be uh, to be impactful as a consumer or uh, as a person. Web3 is obviously one of the beasts where we uh, have been quickly been communicating about and, and we have a very specific stand about it. And so a lot of our 
thinking is going toward this category and it's actually a mission not to it's almost on a mission for this category not to be called web free in a few years time so uh, we think it's kind of a the web free just a branding the same way web 2 was a branding back then and we stopped talking about web 2 at some point i think the key here is to build really the, the architecture and the, the infrastructure and then we think now is the time when you're going to see great wave of talents building infrastructure that's going to make this kind of decentralization play much more relevant to use case of today. So our mission is to find web-free opportunities that simply are related to our themes, but are relevant, but are reinventing commerce on one side, which is a core theme at FedEx, also that are transforming lifestyle categories. And on both sides, we think there will be a lot of things to do. The future of work is also a top prior for us. That is why uh, we brought on board our, our new partner, Julien, Julien Codonio, to support this phase. Uh, Julien is coming from Meta. He spent 11 years there. Uh, he built a workplace and scaled it. He was before that at, at Microsoft. He's seen the pain point. And as mentioned a bit earlier, it, the future of work is fascinating. And we played it before with plays like Pepe, Travel Perk, Unmind, and so on. But the Seeing the shift in power of the employers and the, uh, towards the employee and, and to see the duty of care employers have towards the employee is fascinating. And, and, and as a result, you have a new wave of entrepreneurs in our year and, and building software tools, enabling collaboration, in, in, enabling just wellness at work in a wider, in a, in a wider way and um, building these businesses like brands. And so that top focus also for us at Felix right now. Fantastic. And it's great to hear about the diversification and and the areas that you're focusing your attention. We've talked a lot about the positive stuff, which is wonderful, but we all know that that founder life is not always roses. So tell us a bit about some of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome in in recent years, uh, because I think it's always important to talk about those as well. I think it's life. (laughs) I mean, I I really can't complain because overall it's you know, feel really privileged. And I think we, we're all quite privileged in this audience. I hope so. And, but it just, it just, it's just mad. It's nonstop. Uh, if you combine your professional life and the way we operate at FedEx, you know, as you mentioned, we're a bit entrepreneurs in finance. We are entrepreneurs in, in finance somehow. And we, we have this type of DNA of trying to do everything ourselves, you know, uh, being speaking to our investors that trust us to obviously having a very building very close relationship with our entrepreneurs. And that means there's no boundaries with your personal life. It's, there's absolutely, I mean, you would speak to any of our entrepreneurs. I think one thing they would say about us is that we are accessible 24 hours seven and, and, and um, we take pride in it. And that's part of the reason we enjoy what we do. But as a result, everything is blended when you're also at the time in your life where you're building your, your family and, uh, and you know, you, you need to, provide quality time to your children, uh, to your puppy, and more importantly, also to your wife. That works a lot too. Everything is mingled for good or for worse. I don't know. We'll see. But the hard part has been building your professional life and your personal life at the same time, I would say. It's such a challenge, isn't it? And and you do have a young family. You're married to an entrepreneur, Gabby, as you mentioned. How do you manage to balance it all and ensure that you get enough of that quality family time and can have some perspective because I, I know these things are intertwined. I know that from almost 10 years of running JBM, but how do you find a balance? And is there any tips or advice you can have for any others? You've managed to strike this balance. I mean, it's a journey. Uh, so we're learning. And I think we're a bit like the 
we're a bit like the people and consumers trends we are observing. So we, we're lucky to be able to use some support, like a life coach, for example, to help us to um, make sure we, we, we somehow put some good practice in, in the way we manage our relationship, but we build awareness about each other, understanding each other, understanding our needs, and, and, and also uh, supporting to build the right setup uh, to have some quality time together. So for the years, we now have kind of uh, <laughs> ring fence a bit our Saturday as much as we can. The Sunday is, is quite busy work-wise, but the, having at least one day where we, we we drop the weapon a bit and we, we focus on ourselves, that has been very helpful, especially also for Gabby, my wife. But yeah, I think it's I think you need to make time, make time to reflect on how you can grow as an individual, as a professional and as a parent and husband. And, and for me, the, the life coach, I say life coach because it helps me at, as much as at work or at home, has been a very valuable aspect growing as an individual. No, thank you. That's, that's, that's great to hear. And I guess from one family to another, your Felix family, I know you've built an incredible team and a great group of advisors. So what do you look for when you're hiring for Felix? And and how would you describe the culture that you've created? It's a good point because I think if I had to summarize, I, I've been the one lucky to to lead most of the recruitment, the hiring we've done over the years. I think we're first looking, frankly, for someone we're happy to see every day in the office, which means someone who we share values and where we can see uh, ourselves projecting with herself or himself for, for many, many years, because that's, a, again, that's the rare and precious aspect of being a part of being able to build a new partnership is you don't want to end up with a partnership by default. You want a partnership by choice and you want to try to sustain this as much as possible. Then something which is critical for us is someone with high conviction. It sounds stupid, but we want true investor DNA. It doesn't mean this person has been a, an investor for 10 years before. I think some of our team members with the highest conviction actually were not per se investors before, but very high conviction. But can, it's something you can test in many, many ways. I mean, you're well positioned to know this uh, with, with what you do, but it's, I have some special tricks in interviews to test this. Can you share those, Antoine, or are you going to keep those to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, so first it's just reflecting on what they've done in the past. But the beauty about today is that you can show high conviction as an investor. You don't need capital per se. You don't need capital. You don't need enough capital to buy one stock of Ocado shares because you think Ocado is going to be uh, growing uh, massively. Uh, you don't need money to buy Shopify when Shopify IPO because you think it's going to reinvent commerce online or and so on. You don't need the money to put some sweats uh, into backing one of your friends because you think this person is going to rule the world and you want to be alongside this person. So there's a lot of ways to test. And the way I also do it usually is I always project this person as if I was bootstrapping the, the new VC firm and I ask them uh, what investment they would do from Felix portfolio and, and what it would be. The first three investment will have to be some from Felix portfolio. So which one would it be? So that's a good way to see how they think about it. Also, if they've done a bit of homework. And the second part, is, is which is more, more fun, is which companies from Felix portfolio they wouldn't touch, which in an interview format, that's get the high conviction of because uh, a lot of people want to be too polite and so on. And that shows actually that the conviction level is not strong enough. The other aspect we like to see is, is team players. And that's important for us because a lot of how we are a firm that operates really where bringing everyone along every opportunity, every founders we back. 
Uh, and that's something I think would, will set us apart also compared to other firms. That, and I don't know if it's good or bad per se, but a lot of firms are, you know, uh, an aggregation of, of partners and each partner will do their deal, he or her deal. And frankly, it's been working very well for some firm, but it's not the type of firm we want to build here. So especially with our thematic approach, we, we want to make sure we ensure some kind of consistency in, in what we, in the in the companies we back, in the funds we back. So um, having a team player and as a result, we always say, we do the analogy uh, with a football team. We, we really built the, the investment team without, you know, trying to build uh, higher 11 strikers or 11 goalkeepers, but there's a, you know, it's a very complementary team. Some people come from product backgrounds, people come from growth, some people were entrepreneurs, some people were, you know, uh, have all very different path and background. And, and uh, also there's a lot of diversity, of course, but that really enrich the output of it, which is uh, what Felix uh, stands for. So many brilliant uh, tips and tricks there for anyone that might be interviewing uh, Felix down the line. So I'm sure lots of people listening will be scribbling away some notes. Before we get to our wrap-up questions, I really wanted to make sure we asked you some advice for any founders that are listening that might be fundraising at the moment. And it's kind of a regular question we get, particularly around helping those refine their pitching skills. So what do you look for when you're assessing founders and businesses you know, who are pitching you for funding? You know, we have two vehicles, one early stage and one growth stage, but actually the pattern are, are fairly similar. The founders will come, the founding team will come ahead almost of a proposition for us. And that's why it's kind of a, the best scenario is really to be able to uh, analyze patterns by getting to know the founders well ahead of time and being able to see them around over six months, one year, two years to be able to assess really the kind of level of intensity, commitment, ambition they have towards what they're building and also authenticity uh, somehow. So, so the ability, being able to assess the capacity to build a trusted relationship, you know, this is our long journey, long partnership. And, you know, we are here to return a lot of money to our investors, but we are also here to, to experience very unique uh, journey from a human perspective. So the, the trust is, is very important. And then when it comes to a business model, I mean, when we assess businesses, we assess, I think like every firm, we would assess the scalability, the defendability of a business model, the ability to build this kind of brand that's going to resonate and emerge as an authority in the category we're going after. And then our, our genuine capacity to add value. We're not a generalist firm, so it needs to be in our themes. It needs to be something where if it's in our themes, naturally, uh, we should be a relevant partner. But otherwise, we don't have to fight. We don't have to be opportunistic on trying to stretch ourselves in, in, in the air other categories or uh, because ultimately that could dilute our brand and, and what we stand for. So a great way to test this is how relevant we're going to be for to display. And if we're not, we're not. That's great advice. And Anton, are there any particular things that bug you, you know, from all the founders that you speak to, have there been consistent mistakes that anyone listening that might be in front of you anytime soon should avoid? I think it's a good and tricky question, but I think one of the um, patterns I, I tend to see and we see as a as a kind of flag is founders that have put too much emphasis about how they themselves, like me, are going to sort out the big issue and have somehow lack of awareness around the requirements to hire people better than you, top people, top management team below you, 
and tend to think that they're going to do it everything by themselves. This is for us one type of flag that you still see a, a lot in the market. Also, for us, flags around being too dismissive around competition, too dismissive around, even too dismissive about competition. Also, you know, it's a Series A pitch deck and, and already stating stuff like, uh, we are the leader in this category, uh, we are the number one, uh, we are the global player. Uh, that can be perceived a bit about naive. And finally, I would say, sometimes trying to predict returns for the investors themselves, trying you know, to say, you're going to do 10x on, on your investment, or you're going to do X, Y, Z in five years' time, believe me. I think just on this front, you know, what, what do we know back in early stage businesses, it, it, that never happens as planned. And sometimes actually things get much better than originally anticipated. And, and so let us build this relationship. Let us build this trust between you and us, and we can make our own perspective on what's the target return for our fund. Maybe just the last point also, which you see as much in the bull market and in the kind of more difficult market is identifying signals of founders that try to be a bit too tactical about the round. So, and, and that, especially in a, you know, in the current market where things are getting slower, uh, you have to be very careful when you say to an investor, I'm going to take a term sheet in the next two weeks, or I'm going to do this, or I want that. I think, again, even if it's a game, try to be more focused in showing that you're building this relationship with your investor, with the person you're speaking to. And it's a, it's a two-way process. So it doesn't mean you shouldn't test the investors as much as possible, but it's better to focus on this and trying to play too much the, the round tactics, I would say. Final question for our wrap-ups. We obviously... No, a lot of people want to work in VC, but it's not the easiest industry to get into. There's also lots of misconceptions about the industry. So what do you feel are the biggest misconceptions that we can kind of uh, myth bust? And why is the VC industry such a good one for those that are really serious about sort of switching careers? It's a good point, James. I think the reality with the VC industry is that you need to be passionate about investing. Uh, you need, except if you have a real plan, for this to be a two to three year stand and have a next step very clear in mind afterwards. Making it's an easy way to be successful fast or be quick or it's a shortcut to something is a real misconception because it's really a long journey. If you think about it, our journey is very much aligned with the, uh, with the startup and entrepreneurs we back. And things take time, that's the reality. And so you can have a vanity of the up rounds and so on, but what matters is the end goal, the real journey that's going to happen with each one of the companies where you're making a bet on and where you, with who you partner with. And to be successful in, in venture requires love time, requires to have gone through cycles, requires to have experienced the, the death valley uh, that uh, a lot of companies face throughout the journey. And after the uh, positive bump that comes afterwards and, uh, and, and when you're lucky, with uh, some amazing outcomes. But all this take time. Frederick backed Farfetch in 2010. The IPO was in 18. We backed Miracle in 2012. I mean, Miracle was started in 2012. We're now 10 years ahead. It's, it's a big company now. But all these companies take time. That's already uh, Oatly uh, that got IPO'd last year. is a 30-year-old business. So don't do the mistake to think it's going to be a quick shortcut to uh, a successful career because things take time. The second mistake I see a lot in, in the industry is somehow it's even more with younger talents in VC than uh, more experienced one is not having the right level of empathy towards entrepreneurs. You know, you, you think 
you're a VC, so you've got the power to say yes or no. But this is a, uh, this is really not something to play with somehow. Uh, you, you have people that are massively dedicated to their business and are hiring a lot of people that have uh, anxiety and, 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 and feeling lonely. And, you know, entrepreneurship is so hard that having the right level of empathy is critical with these people and making sure you behave well and, you know, you build a reputation of working hard and be good to people, which is one of our motto at Felix. That's so true. And it is a small world. And word does get round if you don't treat founders with the right levels of empathy and respect. And I know integrity is such an important thing for you and the Felix team. And I guess on the flip side, if you do behave in the right way, you can form these incredible relationships and go on these exciting journeys, which I guess is one of the great things about being in VC is the people you meet and the the stories you can be a part of. Thank you so much, Antoine. We're sadly at the end. I could talk to you for hours, but in one sentence, what do you think the future holds for Felix Capital? The future, I think we, we are very ambitious. We are, you know, we, we feel we are just about to become teenagers in our journey. So, so we want to be, one of our priorities is staying and carry on being perceived as a very specific firm in, in our industry, as a thematic firm. As a go-to firm when it comes to to brand and communities and helping people to shape great product, great branded proposition to to consumers of today and tomorrow or users of today and tomorrow, and not diluting this thematic and and very specific angle, but amplifying it at global scale, at different stage of our journey. We our mission is to really partner with best agent of change, whatever, hopefully at the earliest stage possible, but down the line at any kind of stage. So um, we want to be perceived as relevant for these people. And for, for, for in order to get there, we, we need to carry on building this firm and being better and better at what we do and having more aura at, at global scale. So uh, while staying crafted. So the big challenge is actually not becoming a massive firm, but uh, being able to have a much bigger impact. Sounds like a fantastic future ahead. Very exciting. And what would you like to be uh, remembered for at the end of your career, Antoine? If we stick to the career side, uh, I, I think I suspect like anyone in our industry, I want to make sure that what we build with Felix remains and uh, becomes more and more of a relevant brand in our industry. Uh, we, you know, like uh, the entrepreneurs we back, we're trying to shape our category in a very humble way, but ambitious way. So uh, I hope that when I end my career, but this would have been achieved. And I hope I will have many, 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 many memories of great human adventure with entrepreneurs because that would have mean that we've been very successful as a firm. So wonderful. I love that. That's one of the best part of our of our day-to-day job is being able to build this relationship. It's not always easy, but it's precious. Love it. And this is the 40-minute mentor. Do you have one yourself? And if you could be mentored by anybody dead or alive, who would it be and why? You take me a bit off guard on this one. I think the, so, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm using a lot of the support we can, we, there's no taboo to have today in today's world, uh, being the life coach and, and actually other people to help me grow as a human being. And that's been super, that has really changed my, uh, really helped me in my career a lot. And I'm kind of very curious about this. So uh, I, I really want to explore any new proposition that helps you grow as a human being and a, and a professional. I think my partner, Frederick, has been really a, also a, a mentor to me throughout the years. You know, he's a, he's a real role model in terms of uh, 
his passion and dedication to our job and, and, and how we job as an investor and job as an entrepreneur. So uh, being able to build Felix alongside him and, and together as a result has been amazing for me, and, and especially in the first few years where we had so much quality time to the two of us. I'm very thankful for this relationship, of course. Wonderful. And finally, what last piece of uh, career or life advice would you like to leave our listeners with? Stay curious. Be curious. I think it's very important and, and, and make sure you don't have any regrets. So it's easy to say, but just learning that every year I think life goes so fast. So being curious would enhance creativity, would enhance opportunities and will have a massive impact. It's, 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 it's not very simple, but it's so important not to get stuck into a comfort zone and try to always learn and carry on growing as a, as a human being. Love that. Final piece of advice, Antoine. Thank you so much for joining us on the 40 Minute Mentor. Very excited to see how Felix evolves over the years ahead and, and all the incredible companies you're going to back. Thank you for sharing uh, your story and uh, some fantastic mentorship. Thanks a lot, James. It was a real pleasure. It was a real pleasure, Jack, to Antoine. And I really appreciated all of his insightful advice and great mentorship. I especially love how he's approaching the economic downturn from a position of optimism and seeing it as a great opportunity for founders to strengthen their culture and their businesses. He also gave some great insights into what Felix looked for when hiring and what you should keep in mind both when interviewing to join the fund or when pitching to them as a founder. He's a great investor that's backed some of my favorite brands. So if you're a consumer founder looking for a fantastic VC partner, Felix are well worth checking out. And that's a wrap for today's episode. We've got one more brilliant VC joining us next week before we shift our focus from VCs to early stage founders. So if you have any burning questions for early stage founders, send them to us at info at jbmc.co.uk and we'll answer your question in our upcoming feature series. Until then, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. Every one of them is greatly appreciated and really helps us to bring you more awesome content. See you next week.